You're listening to Bible Prophecy Daily, a weekday podcast where Bible prophecy matters and matters greatly. The prophet Elijah will arrive before the day of the Lord. Well, if you're remotely familiar with the pre-wrath perspective on the second coming of Christ, uh, if you've listened to you know some of these episodes, you've read my book, Antichrist Before the Day of the Lord, What Every Christian Needs to Know About the Return of Christ, then you know the Bible teaches that the circumstances of the second coming of Christ, the return of Christ, is not going to be this, you know, we're just going to be walking along and poof, you know, and, you know, we're all of a sudden ushered into eternal bliss with Christ uh, and, and and some secret rapture, right? <clears throat> no, of course not. Um, that's... That's a teaching uh, called pre-tribulationist and for, or for, from pre-tribulationism, and it's a very popular view out there. Uh, it's it's a it's a view actually it's a relatively new view in the in the roughly the past two hundred years. Thankfully, it's 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 encouraging to know that more pastors uh, who have had this tradition of pre-tribulationism are beginning to challenge this view and they're be- beginning to actually reexamine uh the this view in light of scripture which is really encouraging uh because if you examine scripture you see that there are precursors to the day of the lord uh the return of christ as is often called or the parousia and this is when Christ returns and delivers his remaining people and then pours out his wrath upon this wicked, evil uh, uh, world. So, <clears throat> but uh, there are precursors, not just one, but several important precursors uh, to the return of, of the Lord. So it's not a... what. You often might hear an imminent, any moment return of the Lord. That's just a myth. Uh, that's a tradition. And something that we have to jolt uh, a lot of Christian leaders out of this psyche of, uh, of, this, of this any moment return of Christ. Um, <clears throat> I mean, just a, a cursory reading of Scripture n- uh, reveals that that there's going to be precursors to the return of the Lord. And not just some amorphous precursors, like, yeah, there's going to be this general depravity toward the end of the world. and um, No, 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 it's not amorphous. Uh, yeah, there's going to be certain conditions like that. But there are, and here's the operative word, concrete events, okay? Or maybe a better word is discernible. In other words, they will be discerned. They are. There will be the actual historic events that will happen, discernible events that we can point to, that is, dis- at least discerning believers will be able to point to and go, that is what Jesus talked about, or that is exactly what Paul warned us about, or that is what the book of Revelation warned us about. And some of these uh, 
I'll just mention a few of them that speak about certain events before the day of the Lord. You have the discernible celestial disturbance, uh, a cluster of disturbances that will happen together. That's why it's a cluster uh, that Joel says in Joel 2, 30 and 31. I'll read that real quick here. It says, I will produce portents both in the sky and on the earth, blood, fire, columns of smoke. The sunlight will be turned to darkness and the moon to the color of blood before the day of the Lord comes, that great and terrible day. So there, explicitly, it's going to happen before the day of the Lord. Another event is the, well, Paul says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, very explicit. Uh, there's going to be a discernible apostasy, the apostasy, and the man of lawlessness is going to be revealed. He's going to exalt himself as God, sit sit himself in the temple. Uh, we have not seen that. That is going to happen. When it does happen, we're going to be able to point to that and go, that is what Paul is talking about. Now, of course, a lot of people will point at that and and go, that's our Messiah, or that's our Savior of the world, or 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 whatnot, or uh, you know, we, you can read more about that in the compliment complimentary. Uh, text in Revelation 13. And that, Paul says, that's going to happen before the day of the Lord. Uh, <clears throat> and actually, Paul also talks in the in his first epistle to the Thessalonians, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul says that uh, there's going to be another event that's going to happen before the day of the Lord. He says that the wicked, implying the that is the wicked, not believers, the wicked are going to be saying peace and safety. Uh, and then, of course, it says that sudden destruction will come upon them. And I think it's most likely they're going to be saying peace and safety, given the context in his uh, second epistle, Matthew 24, we see in the book of Revelation that the that that the, the world, or uh, much of the world is going to uh, feel a, a peace and a safety under the security of the Antichrist. And of course, we know what's going to happen is that peace and safety is only uh, temporal and and it will not last because the Lord will then at some unknown day or not hour break through and pour out his wrath. Um, now, someone may say, well, well, Alan, those are events that are going to happen before the day of the Lord. Yes, yes, but uh, that's disconnected from the rapture or the eschatological deliverance of God's people. Uh, no, actually, it's not. There's no gap theory. That's what's, you know, this gap theory out there that, okay, the rapture will happen and then, you know, and God's going to be up in the heavens, uh, you know, I don't know, playing pickup sticks or something, and then he'll, one of, you know, after maybe a few days or maybe a few weeks or months, he'll go, oh, you know what, by the way, I, I think today I'm going to pour out my wrath. No, 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 no. <laughs> the, the biblical pattern in Scripture is that on the very same day that God delivers, he will pour out his wrath. We see this consistently in Scripture, for example, Matthew 24, Jesus makes the analogy of like the days of Noah, the days of Lot. You can read that in Luke 17, verse verse 22 through 35. And particularly in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6 through 10, Paul clearly teaches that the deliverance of God's people, of course, he's alluding back to the rest of God's people, uh, alluding back to the rapture passage in the first epistle, that's going to happen on the same day that he will begin to mete out his wrath against the wicked. 
So there's no gap theory. Uh, that's a way that pre-tribulations try to get around uh, these texts that explicitly teach that the these precursors will happen before the day of the Lord, and that just does not work. Uh, but there's one particular uh, event that that uh, is maybe not as popular or commonly expounded as these other pre- precursors, and that is. Uh, the prophet Malachi prophesied in uh, Malachi 4-5 uh, of another event that's going to happen before the day of the Lord. He says, look, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great and terrible day of the Lord arrives. Now, John the Baptist was a type or pattern of Elijah. Uh, but he was not the fulfillment of his ministry. I know a lot of like historicists and preterists try to make John the Baptist uh, as the fulfillment of Malachi's prophecy, but it does not work. And I'm going to give you some reasons why it doesn't work and why Elijah's coming is uh, in the future. Uh, it will be an event that will happen in proximity to the second coming of Christ, uh, in fact, it will happen uh, not just in proximity of it, but it will happen before, as Elijah or Malachi says, before the day of the Lord. So, <clears throat> so Malachi four five relates to the eschatological day of the Lord. Now, the, the question is: Yet, does not you know? Doesn't Jesus identify this prophecy as already being fulfilled in the coming of John the Baptist? Uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, now what what would that do? Again, it would render any expectation of a future literal coming of Elijah unnecessary. Okay, um, <clears throat> for example, uh, you know some people cite Matthew eleven thirteen through fourteen, where it says, "For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John appeared, and if you are willing to accept it." He is Elijah who is to come. Now, a lot of people will just stop there and go, yep, see, John the Baptist is the fulfillment of Elijah. But actually, we have to read on and we have to, com- well, we have to compare other gospel texts, parallel accounts, to see exactly what, what is meant by this. What, what is meant by um, that, that he is Elijah. And what we're going to see that what is meant by that is that John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah, but there is going to be a, an actual physical, literal fulfillment of Elijah. And we know that because there are a few other texts that we need to consider. Okay. And, and, and reasons as well, not just text. So first, first of all, and I have about, uh, let's see here, I have about six reasons here. First, uh, since Jesus envisioned his ministry in two phases, redemption and reigning, it makes sense when he says that while Elijah has already come, John the Baptist, the precursor, Elijah will also come in the future. Okay, Matthew 17, 11, 11 through 12 reads, uh, John the Baptist, I'm sorry, uh, it, it reads, he answered, Elijah does indeed come first and will restore all things. 
And I tell you that Elijah has already come. Now, it's worth, uh, this is, um, it's noteworthy that Jesus said this after John the Baptist had died. In other words, it's indicating a future aspect of the coming of Elijah. Okay, so that's something to consider. Second, it's confirmed by Gabriel that John the Baptist does not fulfill the coming of Elijah in a literal sense, but in a typological sense. Luke one seventeen reads, And he will go as forerunner before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared for him. And that's Luke one seventeen. But I am, I'm emphasizing, it says, in the spirit and power of Elijah. Daryl Bach, who is a very well-known uh, exegete of, scholar of uh, Lucan material, he observes, he says, quote, of this text, Luke's, quote, like Elijah position may serve to clarify Matthew and Mark in that there also continue to exist in Christian circles the hope of Elijah's return at the end when God would do his final eschatological work. Luke may have feared a misunderstanding that an Elijah identification for John the Baptist would represent a denial of this future Elijah who was associated in Malachi with the decisive day of the Lord. And then he continues, what, what Jesus says in Matthew 17 and what Luke says here is, is there is a pattern of ministry like, of, like that of Elijah into which John the Baptist fits without denying that in the end, Elijah will, retur- will return. So, and then he says, this dual use of Elijah motif fits the already not yet tension present in so much of the New, New Testament eschatology. That's found on um, page nine, 902 of his uh, Luke commentary of Luke 1 through 950. Okay, so I th- that's, that's a good uh, observation that, that Bach is making here, and it makes sense. It, it makes sense in that uh, why you can have uh, both of this type of language in these texts. Okay, third, in John's gospel, we are told that when the Jewish leaders asked John the Baptist if he were the Elijah to come, now this is interesting, John answered in the exclamatory negative, quote, so they asked him, then, who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. And that's found in John 1, 21. Now, this text, in my view, the only natural way to really understand that Elijah has already come, but has not already come, is to view it with Jesus' two-phase coming. Okay, so John the Baptist came in the spirit, quote, spirit and power of Elijah at Christ's first coming. And then with the literal fulfillment of Elijah unfolding in proximity to Christ's second coming as a sign preceding the day of the Lord, i.e. Malachi 4.5. Okay, uh, a fourth reason is a case could be made that one of the two witnesses in the book of Revelation will be Elijah. 
Uh, the powers granted to these witnesses are described as follows. Quote, this is from Revelation eleven six. These two have the power to close up the sky so that it does not rain during the time they are prophesying. It's interesting that this is the exact pattern of power Elijah possessed in the Old Testament. You can see uh, 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1 on that, and James 5, 17. Okay, uh, f- fifth, Elijah is one of the few Old Testament figures who did not experience death. Uh, 2 Kings 2, 1 reads, quote, As they were walking along and talking, suddenly a fiery chariot uh, pulled by fiery horses appeared. They went between Elijah and Elisha, and Elijah went up to heaven in a windstorm. Again, that's 2 Kings uh, 2.11. Now, again, this, this could suggest an aspect uh, of, his, of his purpose for, for coming again. All right? Again, that in itself is, may not be an argument uh, for... Elijah in the future, but uh, I think I think the the collective arguments here uh, favor the strongly. Okay, the the sixth reason, the last reason I'm going to give is the transfiguration, uh, and a few of Jesus's disciples witnessed a preview of of Elijah being associated with Christ's coming in future glory, and. Let's keep in mind here that this is the same context. I'm going to repeat this. Listen, listen closely here. This is the same, the transfiguration, okay? It's the same context in which Jesus tells his disciples that Elijah is coming. And that's found in Matthew 16, verses 27 through chapter 17, verse 13. So, I, the, you know, it, accordingly, I, I believe it's maintained that uh, given the, uh, these reasons that that John the Baptist here, f- you know, functioned in the pattern of a ministry like Elijah, okay, that he did not fulfill the ministry of Elijah, but functioned in that capacity, that role, that the uh, the spirit, the spirit and power. Uh, on the other hand, there is a real future expectation of Elijah before the day of the Lord. And this point is important because on the very same day the rapture takes place, the day of the Lord's wrath will begin to unfold. Uh, so, you know, and, and, and since Elijah is a precursor to the day of the Lord, the logical inference is that he will appear sometime before the rapture. And accordingly, the prophecy of Elijah establishes Christ coming as expectant, not imminent. And this, this point is often missed in pre-tribulational literature. Incidentally, there's, there's nothing that requires Elijah's entire ministry to be completed before the day of the Lord begins. Some people uh, assume that, but uh, only that it must commence before, uh, before the day of the Lord. Okay, well, I hope that... Uh, that those points are helpful and that they collectively together, I think makes a strong case of that the 
the prophet Elijah will arrive before the day of the Lord in the future and that Elijah was or that John the Baptist was not the fulfillment, the full fulfillment, if you were the embodiment uh, of the Malachi's prophecy, but rather Elijah himself, Elijah himself will arrive uh, in the future before the day of the Lord.